Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and again, I'd like to welcome you back to our next podcast. Several podcasts ago, Dr. Karen Horton spoke to us on how to prep patients for virtual colonoscopy. So now you've prepped your patient, and you're ready to go. The question is, how do you interpret the study? And Karen's going to address that in a few moments. One thing people have asked me is, one of the problems with these podcasts is, you never know how people are dressed when they're giving their lecture. Are we formally attired? Are we wearing tuxedos, ties? Are we sitting around in moccasins, you know, uh, hanging out at the beach here? Well, I'll describe Dr. Horton. She's in a Prada dress wearing Gucci shoes. Okay, so you have to take my word on that. Anyway, here's Dr. Horton. I only wish I was dressed that way, but that outfit would cost me a month of my Hopkins salary. Last time we talked about the prep for virtual colonoscopy. So first, let's talk about the patients in the department. How do you actually do the study? We always give glucagon, and glucagon will relax the colon a little bit, and it allows you to distend the colon more, and it makes people more comfortable. So we give one milligram of glucagon subcutaneous 10 minutes before the study. Okay, then when the patient comes in the room after the glucagon, we use a mechanical insufflator and carbon dioxide, and I found that this works much better than room air. The people are much more comfortable, and they only really have that distended feeling for about a half an hour because carbon dioxide is absorbed and exhaled. So we put the patient in left lateral decubitus position. We put in a small catheter, and we use a mechanical insufflator. Usually it will take between two and four liters of carbon dioxide. So usually I put in about a liter and a half, and then I turn the patient supine, do the first scan, flip them over on their stomach, put a couple of pillows under their chest to take some of the pressure off the stomach, otherwise the transverse colon will collapse in the prone position, and then we scan them again. Now, that's the easy part. Then when you sit down to interpret the study, how do you approach the study? And there's two different ways. Most people use a primary 2D read. That means they spend most of the time looking at the axial images, scrolling through the axial images, looking for polyps using a lung window, and then using the multiplanar reconstructions for correlation when they see an abnormality. And if they have any questions then, then they use the endoluminal 3D fly-through views for problem solving. There's a second school of thought which thinks you should do the entire fly-through. That means do the entire endoluminal 3D fly through in both the prone and supine position, traveling forward and backward on each data set, and then using the axial and MPRs for problem solving. So the first one is a primary 2D read with 3D problem solving, and the second approach is a primary 3D read with 2D problem solving. Both are very good. In my experience, sometimes things are very subtle on the 2D images and very obvious on the 3D and vice versa. So what I do is I spend a lot of time looking at the axial images, scrolling through and looking at the MPRs on both the prone and supine data sets, and then I do the entire fly through. It takes longer, but in the long run, I feel better about the study because if there's something subtle on the 2D images, I have a chance to pick it up on the 3D images. So usually a straightforward case would take me 20, 25 minutes. If it's a very complicated case with a lot of residual stool or a lot of redundant colon, it might take me 30, 35 minutes. So I average around 20 to 30 minutes per case. Okay, thanks very much, Karen, for that very informative uh, suggestions. And uh, Karen will be back one more time to look at the third component, which is how... uh, She reports the studies. So in saying that, let me sign off. Wish you a good day. Thanks very much.